Listener discretion is advised as the Ebenistas podcast may contain suggestive and or triggering themes and overall adult content. Oh, f- But I wish, you know, I wish I had a you here. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a you here too. <laughs> so, you know, what's crazy that I noticed that you haven't noticed yet is that we are both not planned at all. Oh, we're Star Wars shirts. Fucking <laughs> 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 funny yeah do you remember when i worked at the skating rink briefly in miami oh no okay it was only for like six months it was when i was finishing up my classes Mm -hmm. and bill was like just get a part-time job anywhere and i was doing derby and one of the derby people were like here come work at the roller rink so that was just kind of funny because i was like one of the older people there yeah (laughs) amongst all these kids but i found this shirt in the back of like a stock room somewhere and i was like did someone lose this? Like, what's going on? Like, whatever. And they're just like, that's been there for like months and months and months. No one knows who it is. I'm like, Can it's I mine now. This? And yeah, they said, yeah. I was like, okay, mine. <laughs> nice. And it's so Definitely cute. Score. I love it. Xavier likes this guy. C3PO? Uh-huh. So yours has C3PO and uh, some of the stormtroopers and Princess Leia, and my whole shirt says "Don't call me princess," and it's just big Princess Leia, big like picture it. of her face. I love that it says "Don't call me princess," but oh yeah, no, it says "Don't call me princess." <laughs> <laughs> but my you're bad. a princess. I know. I thought it was funny. You know, I like it. It's adorable. So yeah. anyway, now that we've had our nerd alert for the day, <laughs> um, I'm excited about that. It was kinder spirits it was meant to be that's why i know we so did not plan that that's awesome like it love it hello and welcome to another episode of the ebenesis podcast today we're going to be talking about spike lee but first let's introduce ourselves uh, i'm doreen and my lovely co-host is tired i changed my name to tired i'm motherfucking tired, tired. <laughs> did you ever see that video no what is it uh, there's a rapper who lives in Atlanta. Oh gosh, and I'm just pulling a blank. But his baby mother posted a video of her of his daughter, mm-hmm. and she was like three or four at the time. And they're like, she was like, "Tell me what you just said." She's like, "I'm motherfucking tired." <gasps> and they, she was like, "What little girl?" She's like, "I'm motherfucking tired." And she's like rubbing her eyes, and everybody was like, "Oh, lol." I was like, "No, that's mm-hmm. Young Thug." It was Young Thug's daughter. Oh my gosh, why does your child know to say that phrase? That's not healthy. That's no. not good. No. So. Sounds funny though. I'm always I know, right? little it kids was, say curse words. <laughs> it is really scandalous. Like what? Um, Spike Lee is definitely no stranger to Atlanta. He went to Morehouse, which is an HBCU here in Atlanta. Wait, is that the one your brother goes to or went yeah. to? Yeah, that's where he graduated from. Oh, how funny. Cool. Mm-hmm. So he was actually born Shelton Jackson Lee in Brooklyn, New York. His father was a jazz composer. After he graduated in like, I think it was like the 1980s, he did, he filmed his first movie, She's Gotta Have It, which he then remade into a TV show recently. And the original movie was an interesting ride to say the least. Yeah. I would have to say, yeah, Malcolm X is probably one of his better known and rated films. A lot of critics really enjoyed it. I know I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, when you think of Spike Lee, what do you envision? Like, what's the picture that, like, pops into your head? Oh, easily that dude that's like, I'm black, y'all. I'm black, y'all. <laughs> I'm, black, I'm black, y'all. Like, just that guy's face with the fist in the air, like that. So for me, when I think of him, I see his little signature glasses and him screaming on the sidelines of like the Nick games, Nick's Mm. games and like all like, you know, riled up or like, you know, speaking very passionately about whatever topic. I definitely say from watching some of his movies and shows, he definitely loves New York. That is very obvious. Mm. And uh, I think he's made over 54 films. He's worked on four TV shows. One which I mentioned earlier, She's Gotta Have It on Netflix. And I will definitely say he's never been afraid to discuss pro-Black and controversial political issues. Oh, definitely not. Definitely yeah. Not. Yeah, he is outspoken. He comes with it. <laughs> yeah. I would also say his love of music is also, it's woven into his work, probably stemming from his background with his dad. So we decided to pay homage to his groundbreaking work in the film industry by reviewing a few of his movies, talking about him in general, and just having a conversation about what his films have meant to us. Yeah. And 
But he's not without controversy, though. He got in- himself into some trouble mm-hmm. uh, for defending Woody Allen, which he later retracted. I don't know about that retraction. I don't he know wasn't the greatest, that. but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's human, right? So there's, there's just... Yeah, hopefully there was some growth from that. But again, I wonder when... Wait, when did that happen? Do you know? Let me see. I had pulled it up earlier. Because I wonder if what I'm thinking about is, was that during this whole, the, the whole like um, time's up thing, the Me Too movement, like when it was really, really like heated for Hollywood or was that? So this happened in like June. Oh, this past June? This June. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. You know the facts. And not only that, but like, even if it was before that movement, everyone knew the facts you know yeah. but that was the problem that's why the whole you know kind of like the whole thing got heated up in hollywood because people were just like this is ridiculous like we need to stop this but you knew the facts already and you you started defending him like i don't know about that i mean literally what he said was he said i just like to say woody allen is a great great filmmaker and this cancel thing it's not just woody and i think that when we look back on it we're gonna see that short of killing somebody i don't know if you can just erase somebody like they never existed and he he went back and he backtracked and was like no he's just a really good friend of mine i just know he's going through it right now but yeah see, it wasn't really a problem it's like that friendship that's kind of like the whole thing with ellen and trump kind of thing no. or not trump i'm sorry bush and it's just like yeah but you know these people stand for something very serious just because they've always been a good friend to you doesn't mean that they are not a monster when they're not with you it doesn't negate that fact it's just you need to acknowledge the fact that this is problematic yeah i don't i don't know how i feel about that but proceed so anyway back to spike lee for a second so i did find it a like a little funny that he actually took issue with a, a lot of the Tyler Perry films, which mm-hmm. a lot of people feel this way. Let's be honest. And so yeah. he said, and I quote, we shouldn't think that Tyler Perry is going to make the same film that I'm going to make or that John Singleton or my cousin Malcolm Lee would make. As African-Americans, we're not one monolithic group. So there's room for all of that. But at the same time, for me, the imaging is troubling and it harkens back to Amos and Andy. He mm. pretty much called him a coon. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and said that he, you know, kind of he's like chugging and jobbing for for this money, and taking us back a couple steps. So, yeah. Tyler Perry actually got really mad and said, "Spike can go straight to hell. You can print that. I am sick of him talking about me. I am sick of him saying this is a coon. This is a buffoon. I am sick of him talking about black people going to see movies." But a <laughs> lot of people feel that way about Tyler Perry. But hey, yeah. he makes his money. I like some of his films. Don't like all of them, but you know, it is what it is. We were talking about that earlier. You were telling me that, like, he apparently writes all of his stuff. The writer's room is him. And someone, I saw a comment, someone was like, well, that makes sense now that, like, his writing in general has never grown and his work has never really grown in, like, quality because there's no one else in the room but him and he's just his own echo chamber, basically. like, you're fucking awesome. Like... (laughs) word son i'm, I'm telling you it. dude but i mean anyway he's released a ton of tv shows when he started the, the you know his movie studio so that yeah. is a big props he's doing so much he has housing on his on his oh, property yeah. i mean he's doing so much so it's like i i don't have to love everything he does i still exactly. support him as a black man doing good things so yeah that's fair proceed we're here for spike bitch yes <laughs> we are we are about to go into some of his stuff but first we're gonna play a little rating game not even a game we're just gonna rate some of his movies i listed a few okay Jabby, you can see them and so we're gonna give five fists for the <laughs> the best of the best one fist for the lowest of the lowest or so no fist you don't get nothing <laughs> so uh let's start with she's gotta have it the original movie 1986 i'm gonna give it three fist i'm gonna give it two okay Just because for being in the 1980s, what he did was really different. Mm -hmm. He took an artistic take and definitely a unique story for that time. I'm not in the same age bracket as him, so it was a little hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. It was interesting. It was an experience. Definitely. School Days. What did you think? I'll give it a four. It's actually one of my favorite Spike Lee movies. I'm going to give that a five fist because I actually I liked it so much I bought it. 
Really? Yeah. Okay. Because obviously it's a little exaggerated, mm-hmm. but it shows so much of how a lot of fraternities and sororities and like going to a predominantly black college and how they separate themselves that like, oh, our light skin, you know, paper bag tests for, you know, like certain sororities and all those things. As much as you think that it's a little ridiculous, it's very true. Yeah, It's happened and it continues to happen. It just maybe not in the same way, but it definitely opened up my eyes to a lot of different things in the culture. So I really love school days. It looks like we also have do the right thing on here. Yeah. Two and a half. <laughs> I was gonna give it three. <laughs> okay. The Five Bloods. It came out this year on Netflix. Chadwick Boseman was in there. Rest in peace or rest in power, as some people say. Yes. I love him, but I hated this movie. It was slow <laughs> and painful to watch and so out of date and so out of touch. And like, just, it was, I couldn't make it through it. I tried like twice. I just, I gave up. Um, I was like, no, no. Based on that, I'm like, now I need to go try and find it and Please. try and watch it. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I wish you all the best. How long did you make it into? I watched it up maybe, maybe an hour. An hour? Okay. I'll let I, you know how far I get. Okay, I really tried. <laughs> and I was just like, I just can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, but really. it was the little history lessons that he, he gave at the beginning of the movie about like the Black Vietnam vets and how just how many Black men were sent to Vietnam mm-hmm. and, you know, how many people lost their lives. They were basically sent there to die, you know? Yeah. And so it was rare that a platoon of their size, which was only like five or six people, survived. But it was it was an interesting story, but it, it was way too drawn out. What about Malcolm X? Great five, five fists. Five. give it two, five fists. Denzel. Denzel. Yes. It was a great movie, like overall. Remember that relaxer scene? Oh my God. I felt that burning when it yes. happened. Yes, yes. <laughs> Great, great, great movie. Inside Man. I didn't know for a while that that was him, but I love that movie. I didn't know that was him until you put it on the list. I that's totally five five fists. I'm yeah, that movie. That's one of my favorite movies. All right, what about? (laughs) Uh oh, the sweet blood of Jesus. Listen, (laughs) we're gonna talk about it in depth later. But just how many fists? It's getting. You can't see her face, but she's looking like none, none, <laughs> negative. Yeah, I'm I sorry. want, I want I'm two fists back for watching none. it. None. I'm, I'm giving it <laughs> none. I'm. So, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right. What about Chirac? We both watched that one. Oh, I'm gonna give Chirac a three and a half. Okay. A three and a half because I get where he was going. Because it was also relevant to what's going on today, I, re- I was able to relate a little bit to it. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of fun. It was like he was kind of like purposefully making it a little ridiculous to, to get the point across. So so what is your favorite Spike Lee movie? Favorite? Mm-hmm. Just from this list that we have right here, I'm going to go with Black Klansman. Okay. Following that, I would say Bamboozled. We're going to talk about in a little bit. But Black Klansman... It was just great to tell this story of, you know, this guy that kind of infiltrated the KKK and like mm-hmm. really kind of made fools of them and kind of exposed them and just love it. Love it. What about you? Like I said, School Days is definitely up at the top for me. I didn't mm-hmm. really like Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Um, Inside Man was another one. Shy Rack was okay. And then Get on the Bus was really good. That was a really good one. That works. I actually watched that one in the theaters, so. Oh, okay. All right. So the first movie that we are going to get into is Chirac. Chirac. Chirac is, I believe, an Amazon original. And I think right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it looks like it's got an 82%. This one, I, it, again, this is another movie that like I had on my list. And I just kept like... Yeah, I'll watch it later. Yeah, I'll watch it later. And then, boom, here we are. I mean, so the name is actually supposed to be a play on, like, Chicago and Iraq. Like, Chicago's a war zone like Iraq. So, oh, yeah. Chirac. 
Yes, exactly. From what I understand, that name of the movie, actually, there's the po- a couple politicians from in Chicago had problems with it. They didn't like the imagery that you will get when you hear that word, Chirac. He has statistics at the beginning of the movie that support this. So it says um, at the beginning, 4,424 Americans died in Iraq from 2003 to 2011, while 7,356 were killed in Chicago from 2001 to 2015. That's a lot of people. Yeah. I completely agree with him calling it Chirac. To me, I mean, it sounds like a war zone. I don't know. I had a friend that moved there and I was like, dude, I don't want to (laughs) go. But there's, I have been, and it's a beautiful city. It is definitely a beautiful city. So, but there's a lot of change that needs to happen there. So the movie opens up with Samuel Jackson and I was like, oh, snap. Here we go. I was like, okay, now it can't be that bad, right? And then I was like, is he rhyming? Why is he rhyming? (laughs) So they rhyme the whole movie, like kind of the same way that Shakespeare does. Okay. And then it was just interesting. I will say Chirac kind of proves a point that I've always kind of had. He is so good at finding these leading ladies that are just... Oh, yeah. I mean, they just capture your attention. Second, they're on the screen. You're like, who's this? Who's this person? I'm listening. What do you have to say? Yeah. The story is based on Aristophanes. Lysistrata, a classical Greek comedy play in which women withhold sex from their husbands as punishment for fighting in the Peloponnesian War. Okay. I said a lot of things that I probably did not say correctly. That's okay. We're not history buffs over here, so. I do love Greek history. It's kind of fun. I do like Greek mythology. I think it is very interesting. So then let's start with the fact that like Nick Cannon was in this movie and he played like a hardcore gangster rapper. He did his best, but like it's Nick Cannon. It's Nick Cannon. Okay. Thank you. So watching it, I was like, I think he did a decent job at it. Right. Yeah. But then that other part of my brain goes, but that's Nick Cannon though. Like, <laughs> you could just tell that he took himself way too seriously like mm-hmm. you know like he's like i'm killing this and then like he rapped the whole movie because i told yeah. you to write rhymes and yep. he was a rapper but i always wondered why earlier this year nick cannon was like i challenge eminem to a rap battle i think i'm the greatest rapper alive and i was like who what yeah <laughs> dude no what you that was a great moment i was like this is happening nick cannon's trying to challenge who <laughs> No. Are you so mad about your ex-wife? Like, calm down. down. Yeah. yeah. And then within the first five minutes, the sex scene. And I was like, oh, okay. This is uh, gangster Nick Cannon <laughs> with his booty all up in the screen. Like, but it's just so weird with the rhyming, though. You know, because it's like, what? Like, some of the rhyming just was a little awkward and uncomfortable and, like, weird. There was a lot more talking than there should have been. He did his best. But now I, I could tell that he was really like, I, I killed it. And that was like, this is what gave him that bravado that like, listen to this album that I did for Chirac. I killed it, son. I'm the greatest Wait, rapper did alive. the album for Chirac? I, I, like, I hope he didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's all over that thing. Yep. The first song on there is that song, Pray For My City. And he, mm-hmm. that's him rapping on it. Rapping throughout the whole movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely like gave him a little bit too much rapping time. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But he, I mean, he, like I said, he did a decent job to me. I mean, I was like, okay. He like, did his I, best. And we are A for effort, Nick. Yes. Yes. A for effort. <laughs> but no one takes you seriously as a gangster rapper, just, just so you know. I, so I could have done without the rhyming. I think the rhyming definitely made it a little bit laughable. The dialogue, too, was just very dated. That's, that's kind of some of the issues that I have with Spike Lee and his current stuff is that he is still very much stuck in, like, the late 70s, early 80s, when he kind of came up in his prime. Yeah. Yeah, it's dated. Really quick before we keep going, basically women decide to withhold sex because there's gang violence happening in Chicago. And so the women get together from both sides and are like, look, we need to like stop all this and like withhold. So they do. And the men basically are just like, start wiling about it, obviously. And And like- stripping for themselves <laughs> <laughs> and they're like we can fight this and it's like no you can't fight this and then the women take over like a government building an armory an armory okay 
and that was strange, but we're going to get further to that. So that's the basis. Sorry. We should have did that first. Yeah, we should have. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, that's okay. what it's about. A sex strike in Chicago, trying to find peace because someone's daughter died. So Jennifer Hudson's daughter. Yeah, the Jennifer Hudson's in it. Angela Bassett, Wesley Snipes, who is legit horrible in this, by the way. You thought, I didn't think it was terrible. I think he was just playing the part that he had. <laughs> that weird little laugh that he did. Like, I was like, why? Why? Why is this happening? I hate it oh, so much. His, he looked like Slick Rick for some reason. And I was like. Because he had an eye patch. Yeah. But it was also the clothing and everything they, they put with it. And I was like, huh. <laughs> It, it was just I was like clearly he needed a check after getting out of jail and stuff like he's like I'll take whatever role you give me I didn't like him in it that much John Cusack I mean just to name a few but there and was definitely save that yeah she did her best with the script she was given okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so Dave Chappelle was also in it for a little bit <laughs> he made a brief appearance i think what what killed me was the fact that the best speech in the movie was given by john cusack who i love okay oh, i've yeah. actually seen almost all of his movies i'm a big fan but it was just weird i was just he was like a preacher in like mm-hmm. gangster chicago so that was odd but he did well yeah, I'm trying to find why he decided to use john cusack and why he decided to use a white preacher in particular I mean, I feel like he does every, like Spike Lee does everything with purpose and like cast mm-hmm. with purpose. So I just couldn't find like why John Cusack. I mean, like he's a great actor. And again, I love him as well. And I just, I just couldn't figure it out. I, I think what he was trying to say was that the fact that like the struggle in Chicago is not just a black versus white thing. It's, it's everyone who lives there. You know, it's yeah. everyone who grew up, who grows up there. Anyone, you know, even if you started off in one neighborhood, that neighborhood could eventually turn. It's going to, it's going to be something that, that touches everybody. And you don't have to be of one race to care about the problems in these neighborhoods. Very nicely said. Look at you. You had an answer for me. <laughs> Thank you. Get it, girl. <laughs> so there were some ridiculous stuff in, oh in it. There was a general who was a general of the armory who she like seduced and <laughs> I, he climbed on like a cannon and then he, in his like Confederate like briefs or yeah. yeah. And she like blindfolded him and handcuffed him, I think. And then he calls her a nappy headed hoe while trying, it was some yeah. fucked up nonsense. <laughs> It was so strange. She was, I remember uh, she was like, yeah, ride that cannon. She's like, is was, that big? And he's like, oh, yeah, do you want this big cannon? And, like, it was uh, so awkward. Cringy. Yeah. The insurance salesman was something that just was completely out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then it was just like, damn. Like, so basically they were trying to, there was an insurance salesman that came up to Angela Bassett and he was like, I'm looking for your sister because she has a son that's around this age. And, mm-hmm. you know, in this neighborhood, you know, these type of men tend to die. So I'm trying to encourage her to take out a life insurance policy. So like, he's going to die anyway. So you might as well make a little money off of it. Yeah. It was just such a weird dark came out of nowhere then it was just gone just like they don't really bring it up again you know like until the very end and it was just like they're still trying to profit off of these deaths you know so that part made me think of there's this band i listened to let live and they were pretty politically heavy but he has this line in the song the song is called white america's beautiful black market And he has this line that says, you're worth so much more diseased. So in other words, no one really cares if you're dead or you're sick. The system will make money off of you either way. Like they're not worried about you at all. Someone is out here trying to make some cash off of you. In other words, wake up, wake up, wake up. (laughs) Which is another theme in these Spike Lee movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's just, as soon as I saw him and he was doing that, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, God, I can't even imagine. But funniest part for me was at the very end where they're trying to settle this. It said it had been going on for like a a month or two or something like that. And so they decide that Nick Cannon and his ex-girl, the two leaders of this whole like strike thing, you know, whatever, he's a gang leader. She's trying to stop it. And they decide that they're going to have a sex match. Whoever comes first wins. And I was like... Only a man could have thought of this. Only like, a man. <sighs> yeah. Like, really? There really? was a couple scenes. I mean, like, and this is something I'll talk about a little bit later, but like, just the nudity with the women, it just seemed like a lot. 
like at the root of it, what's his message? You know, because Spike Lee, that's what he does. The most obvious one, general violence. And then I felt like it was also not just because that area they were in is heavily Black population. It almost felt like he was saying Black women have the power to save the world, to make this big change, and that we do have power. Not just women in general, because women, I really feel we do have that in ourselves. But yeah, so Chirac is, it was interesting. It was different, but overall, it wasn't my favorite. It was easier to watch than The Five Bloods. So for that, I am thankful. (laughs) Oh, and then, I'm sorry, really quick. There was this woman, she works for the Chicago Tribune. She accused him of glorifying violence for entertainment. And I thought that was really off base for her because I was like, she obviously doesn't know his career. This is literally someone who makes movies with statements, you know, like for a purpose. So to say that he's glorifying it with a movie. He's trying to get a little attention by being a critic to try to, you know. Go sit down, Amy. Bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so the last thing i have to say is again like you said samuel jackson narrator i was like why did he choose sam and i was like because he's a bad motherfucker that's why (laughs) shut your mouth shut your mouth so one other phrase that you hear a lot in almost all the movies is she oh my god Dude, I had to explain it to my sister because she kept saying it one weekend that I was with her. And I was like, wow, I was like, I love that guy. I love like everything he does. Like, I just, you always know he's going to be a shitty person, first of all, in any movie. Without fail. And then him, that line is coming whenever you see him. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I'm sorry, are you out here saying this and you don't know where it's from? She's never seen a movie with this guy in it. And I was really? like, gotta wake up too right oh yeah we did that's right a wake up good catch next movie bamboozled Whew. did you watch bamboozled Mm-mm. never <gasps> seen it oh my gosh okay so this movie is really hard to watch it's because of what it's saying about black people in entertainment and as how um, the world views us as a whole basically it's about this guy that writes television scripts for this big company. His boss is white. Of course, the board, big board members are all white. He's black. Damon Wayans is the main character. And he has an, his assistant, who's Jada Pinkett. He's writing these scripts that are reminiscent of like Cosby type family. Type family thing. matters. Yeah. Family centric. Positive yeah. as opposed to entertainment that the whole Hollywood world got used to telling about black people, basically. His boss is super like, dude, like, I'm tired of these scripts you're giving me. He's like, come on, man. Like, give me hood. Give me gangsta. He's like, and he even says in it, and you have to watch this movie, I'm telling you. He even says at one point, he's like, I'm blacker than you. Like, I'm more down than you. So he decides that he's going to adhere to what his boss is asking him. And so he writes like this super crazy offensive script. His whole idea of doing that was to shock his boss So his boss would say, no, don't make that, like, let's go back to your other scripts kind of thing. But that doesn't happen. Nope. They love it. It doesn't happen. And so what ends up happening is the show is, it's like those old timey shows where white people were in blackface. Oh, no. And, you know, they're dancing and whatever. And so what he kind of does a twist on is he finds these two black guys. One is Tommy Davidson and one is, I can't remember his name. He was a tap dancing choreographer. He was like on Sesame Street. Dude with the dreads, light skin. I only remember him from Sesame Street. So they get these two guys and they end up playing these two characters. They put them in blackface. Traditional blackface. Like he has a scene. Savion Glover. Thank you. Yes. Oh, he's actually in another play of his. Really? I tried to watch and did not finish. Yep. But yeah. (laughs) You're like, not today. Bye. There's even a scene where Jada Pinkett is describing, we're going to put you guys in traditional blackface. And he shows them making it and he shows them start putting it on. And the audience is not with, you know, the show. They're like, what is this? What have you? And then by the end of, you know, several more shows, there's a scene and you see the entire audience is in blackface oh and they're all different cultures all different cultures and it's like almost like it's like the show inherently can't be racist if it was created by a black person and if the people on stage are all black then it's okay all of a sudden well so that explains his position on tyler perry 
yeah. <laughs> and it was crazy. So also the roots are in it. Oh, um, the roots. And then also I saw Quest and he like picked out his hair and I was like, oh shit, they go Quest. Hey. Nice. <laughs> you know, the whole show backfires basically in their face. He gets sucked into it. And now all of a sudden the show is a hit. You know, you're sacrificing yourself and your culture for this money. It's pretty rough. To me, like, it kind of goes back to, like, the happy Negro idea. Mm. Um, Spike Lee also created, like, commercials to go in between. They were all overly stereotypical Black people commercials. Even though Damon Wayans is playing this character, first of all, I don't know if Damon Wayans suggested this or Spike, but whatever character he's trying to convey, he speaks with, like, this weird English upper-class accent kind of yeah and it's really proper like bad and it's overly acted and it's just it's really really bad there's a point where there's a white woman who's explaining what black is to him and jada pinkett and he calls her he's like oh great niggerologist and i was like (laughs) (laughs) but she uses the line she's like I definitely know black people. I took, you know, that class in college, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, don't, no, don't do it. No. And then the last thing, there's this um, rap group in the background. Their leader is most deaf. And yeah, I love him in everything. And this movie is one of those movies that Spike has. There's great acting and then there's not great acting. I would say like a lot of his movies, but yeah, we're, we're going to touch on that on the, <laughs> the next one. But there's this rap group, right? And they're following the development of the show and they don't like it. They're all about empowering Black people, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yo, man, like this ain't real. And, you know, why are people supporting this? And this Black face isn't right. But in turn, what you see whenever they're hanging out, they're just smoking, uh, drinking, doing nothing of like real production in society. So I just thought it was ironic that they're saying like, this is wrong, that what you're portraying is wrong, but they're not doing anything inherently to better, you know, society on their own. Anyways, that's that movie. What's next? What's the next movie? No, 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 no. You tell me what the next movie is. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, (laughs) This is the Zero Fist movie. So we are going to talk about the sweet blood of Jesus. I keep on wanting to say the the sweet blood of baby Jesus, but that is Mm. not this. from The The sweet blood of baby Jesus. Mm. It just seems like, I don't know. Anyway. Just FYI, this will be brief. Yeah. (laughs) Literally the first thing I wrote while watching it was, I don't even know, um, the fuck. <laughs> That's literally what I wrote. <laughs> Two things. Okay. I know there's a social commentary in there somewhere. Couldn't find it. Could not get it. And honestly, I don't have the brain power right now. Can't do it. I'm not searching that deep. If there was, it was not well put out there. And it doesn't have to be something that's super obvious. We can all watch I can critically analyze a movie very well. Like, second of all, um, we just mentioned this. Why does Spike Lee approve of such bad acting? Bruh, the acting, especially when the female character comes on. I was like, you are trash. So is the main guy. I don't even, they're both no-name people. So we're not even going to go into that. But like, they were such poor actors. You know what bothers me too is like, did you notice the doctor is also she first of all she's in school days too the doctor that they go to see and she's in she's gotta have it she in the tv show she plays nola's um mother do you know who that is no i don't know her name that's spike lee's sister really yeah okay listen here woman i've seen her act okay and she's a good actress why does he create these characters and why do the actors agree with it, it with this bad acting like it's like she reversed i was like this is so why is your acting so bad i've seen you do great work but this is what i'm saying i feel like the especially as we continue to get older and we are more accustomed to like higher acting skills and that sort of thing he is stuck and it's very obvious in his filmmaking that he's not evolving with the times he's staying exactly as he was think about how movies were in the late 70s and early 80s they were overacted it was very over the top i am an actor you know like it was just very <laughs> so you know, okay, thank you 
I am acting now. <laughs> you, you can you tell because I have my acting voice on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So my brother, uh, we watch a lot of the same movies. He recommended this one. He's like, you just have to watch it. It's weird, but you know, watch it. So I have been to the vineyard where this movie was shot. And it's, again, I feel like it's another love story for these locations that he goes to. And he's like, I'm going to write a movie about, you know, this location and then, you know, like really show it. And then he does another episode of She's Gotta Have It where he's in the vineyard as well, Martha's Vineyard. It's gorgeous. Great. Amazing. About to book my trip right now. Yeah, they have a strong Black community that has kind of always existed there. So it, it's definitely- I didn't know that. Yeah. The movie The Inkwell was based off of uh, the summer that he spent in Martha's Vineyard. Oh, wow. Okay. Check that out if you haven't. But so I like that part. You got to really see some of like what it looks like. And Obama just bought like a, his a house out there. And it's definitely a different kind of place. And people do behave a little more, a little differently than we're used to here. There's a culture there. And I think that he was trying to pay his respects to the culture, especially for the Black people who are of a higher echelon. Okay. Um, and Ooh, so, that's a good but, word. Look at you. Thank you. <laughs> Hooked on phonics worked for me. Um, <laughs> so... I think that that's what he was trying to do, but then he didn't want to spend the money on getting like real actors. Who he did spend money on though was the Remy, Remy, Remy Malik, the guy Ooh. from Mr. Robot. Why do I find him cute? Egyptians are very attractive. He's from Egypt? <sighs> he is very cute though. But it was just like, wait, what are you doing here? How come you're not the lead of this movie? Yeah. But they did their best with the movie. It was supposed to be like a horror kind of thriller, but it really was just a hot mess. It was really hard to follow. The part with the hooker? Yes. And she wakes up, motherfucker, you killed me. It was that trash trash the other thought i had was there was a scene where somebody they were serving food you know very luxurious <sighs> i wish someone would do that to me serve me please and then the last one which is where i actually maybe did find the commentary the social commentary she said in this day and age our black children need to be indestructible i don't know look there is so much crap happening in 2020 that i would not be surprised if that's next so if you guys want to know what we're talking about you got to go watch it so they're Please do. So next movie is School Days. And this is Doreen's favorite movie. It's her favorite. Well, one of her favorite. Movie. Movie. Yes. There we go. There. So this one is pretty simple plot line. They're at a HBCU. These two groups of people. Gina is in it from my end. Spike Lee is, is in this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Half pint. And then so is Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. Every time I think about Lawrence Fishburne, I feel bad and I just think about his daughter. His porn star daughter? Yeah, and I'm like, porn star. <laughs> she does porn, let's be clear. <laughs> I don't know about the star part. But uh, I always feel John bad. Carlo like, Esposito is in this one. Gus. <laughs> but this one is about just two, two groups, sororities and fraternities, that are constantly at odds with each other because they're competing sororities and fraternities but also there's this whole light skin versus dark skin thing and he touches upon colorism in this quite a bit you know kind of exposes it through these college students you know so i like this movie just because you know the paper bag test um the level of pride that they have in being a lighter color and Mm -hmm. you know just how some of the cultures just how toxic it can be and the damage it can lead and like you know like a lot of these characters started off as high and mighty at the beginning and by the end they were broken by all of these you know pressures and stereotypes that they were putting on themselves you know like they were just and it was it was it was definitely interesting it was a good introduction for me into fraternities sororities historically black colleges shadism colorism whatever you want to call it 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 made me feel something you know oh yeah i forgot by the way bill wanted me to say something about how much he loves gina that was his crush back in the day Word? Hmm? Okay, then get it. I, I thought he was more of a Lisa Bonet guy. So he does love Lisa Bonet. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, he was like all about Lisa, but like, seriously, like, so he was nice. like, oh, Gina. <laughs> Interesting. Her and her apple head. I've literally never head. heard anybody say that she was their crush. Ever. Really? My life. How funny. Oh, yeah. He knows what he likes. Nay. <laughs> So the wannabes, I didn't realize it just clicked for me when I was watching it again. The wannabes are like the wannabe whites. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, ah. And then her last name too, the um, character that Gina plays, her last name is Toussaint, which is usually people from like New Orleans, Creole, they could pass. Ah. Um, that's definitely a big part of that culture down there too. Interesting. I didn't know that. Beyonce would be considered Creole. Her mom. What really bothers me in this movie, of course, it makes me uneasy, is all the name calling. Yeah. Um, it gets really dark, um, even though it's shown sort of in a comedic light. The biggest one was the the hair scene, like where the girls are doing the music, music numbers. Can I just add, I do not like musical breaks in movies like I just where they're not supposed to be. Not all of them. Some of them are well-placed. His sometimes are seem out of place, and he does that in a couple other movies. Yeah, I do like a good soundtrack in the background. I'm not a big fan of the break into song and dance. Although I don't mind, wouldn't mind if my life turned out that way in some way. And not like a flash mob kind of way, but like in a natural way. Like I'm just like walking through Target and like people just start singing. I think you've been watching My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend too much. That's fine. Yep. I love that show. I actually really want to do a flash mob, truth be told. I missed the bus on that one. It's obviously a long time ago. No one does that anymore. But like, if you have a flash mob, (laughs) holla at your girl. (laughs) Maybe I'll remember that one day and I'll bring it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Rage. Do a flash mob. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, now I'm planning it in my head. I'm like, hmm, once COVID is over. Yeah. That'd be cool. But the name calling is hard. Like, that scene, I mean, you hear Piccaninny, you hear Tar Baby. I mean, it's hard. It was the hazing that really got to me, too, also. Oh, yeah. Like, that hazing culture is real. You know, I don't know what it is now, but I know when I was in college, I'm not in a fraternity or sorority, but some of the things that I saw were, whew, you know, there's a book called Haze where they actually talk about all of the hazing incidents at the time, you know, where they involve deaths, dismemberment. Yeah people getting seriously injured, you know, that kind of thing through the hazing process. And it's actually a point of pride for some sororities and fraternities if you were brought into the fraternity sorority before hazing was illegal. It's like, you know, I actually really pledge for this. Mm-hmm. You, you just, you know, paid some money and showed up. It's so interesting. It's, it's torture. It is. Like why? <sighs> it's a cult mentality. The same thing. If you endure this and if you're able to handle this, then you can be one of us. And that includes pushing your body and your mind and your soul to its limits. And then you're worthy of being with us. Because they want to break you down to your lowest point and then rebuild you up stronger. That's literally the point of it. But it's ridiculous. I mean, like, at what cost? So the movie's well done. I mean, I didn't really have a problem with some of the acting. Some of it is out there. But overall, the movie works. The last thing about this movie, um, the interesting thing is that Spike Lee actually arranged for the two groups of actors to stay in separate hotels during filming. So light-skinned actors and dark-skinned actors got different accommodations and different treatment during the filming of of this movie. The light-skins were given better accommodations than the ones playing the Jigaboos. This favoritism contributed to tension on the set. It came through on the movie, and that was his intention, is that he wanted this tension to be real. There's a scene at the end, sort of, where it's like there's a fight that occurs at the step show between the Daps crew and the Gammas. That was not in the script. That actually happened. That's how intense, you know, that outside treatment, (laughs) you know, just the accommodations of the actors. The actors really, like, felt that tension. And then when the fight broke out, he actually told the cameras just to keep rolling. Like, he didn't stop them. He was like, we're going to capture this. And that was a reality show, I guess. (laughs) But it worked. It really worked. But it did. And you could feel that tension in the movie. It felt really genuine. Yeah. And then at the end, of course, the wake up wake up they're staring into the camera and everyone's staring into the camera at the audience and it's supposed to be really empowering for us to wake up stop with this nonsense and come together as a culture so now we save the best for last because we love it yes i think the tv show more than anything yeah so we are going to talk about she's gotta have it Mm. So the first time I tried to watch the show, I didn't make it through the first episode. Really? It was just a lot to take in. I didn't know what to expect, but it damn sure wasn't any of that. And I was just like, okay, I got to come back when I'm in the right place. And then when I tried to watch it again, I was like, okay, I like it. I fucks with it. It's so different. Mm-hmm. They're definitely pushing boundaries. 
I loved it. And I, I really loved the main character who played Nola. Mm-hmm. She was just, I mean. She's fantastic. The, the opening scene of her, you know, like she just comes on the screen and you're like, who is this, you know? Yeah. And what I think is interesting is that her and Spike Lee must really have a good rapport mm-hmm. because I've seen her play other roles and she doesn't have that same charisma that she has when she is in she's gotta have it he sees her and it's not that she's like one of these video vixens or like these ig models or anything like that her name is dewanda wise and she just i I love her even though when she's playing those parts where she's uncomfortable with herself and unsure of herself yeah i don't know like there's something about her that i'm just like this girl looks like the most confident person in the whole world and she's not like big boo big booty big no she's none of that natural you know very petite just you know nothing but she just has a grace and air to her that just draws you in it's very easy to see why she would attract the type of men that she attracts in this in this show so obviously that i think the main thing about the movie and the show that was so controversial was the whole women taking control of their sexuality and you know we're faced with this woman who's got three dudes And I mean, in the first season, she's sitting these guys down and she's like, listen, I didn't say I love you to none, none of you. (laughs) You know, I didn't promise anything to any of you. And I've been very open about this. So stop trying to control me and stop trying to make me yours because that's not what's going to happen. And if you don't like it, there's the door. So are we going to continue this or not? And I love that. It's the whole double standard where men can do it, but women can't. Forget that. If you are a responsible, or even if, I mean, even if you want to be irresponsible in some ways, knock yourself out. That's not my business and I can't knock you. Like do your thing, what makes you happy. But if you feel like you are, you know, being safe for yourself and, you know, you're open and honest with people, do your thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I, I want to say that I think that I definitely like the TV show a lot more than I like the movie. Um, the movie was a little odd, he, but he was just coming into himself. This is his first thing that he did. Yeah. And I think that by the time this TV show came around 20 something plus years later, he finally got it down. Now, the only issue that I really had with the TV show was, again, the language, the slang was very outdated and just mm-hmm. like, what? Who even uses some of these words? And I like that Nola, the main character, is a flawed character. She yeah. forgets to check herself. She oh, yeah. does a lot of messed up things, but in her head, she doesn't see it. And watching her grow throughout the two seasons, and I'm so sad they canceled it. It was a journey and I really liked it. And I like that they showed that like, she may be charismatic and talented and this wonderful artist and a sensual lover and all these things. And, you know, but she is deeply flawed because she is a person. Yeah. You know? And I, I like that. I felt yeah. like she's very realistic. Really quick. Who's your favorite boyfriend? Or wait, who's your favorite lover? Let me be clear. Cause there are more than just the three guys. I don't like the Mars character. I like who plays him. I like the way that he sings in season two's beautiful, amazing voice. He captures your attention, but I hated his dialogue. I was like, he did really well in the role, like, you know, but he was playing Mars Blackman from the original movie. So they made him that weird kind of character that he was originally. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that character then. I Mm -hmm. definitely still don't like it now. Interesting. They made him a lot more likable and relatable in season two, but in season one, I was just like, who is this kid? What are you doing here, sir? Yeah. That's not the vibe I think I I got from him. I definitely think that he was a different Mars completely from the movie. The style is the same. Like, they're kind of funny is the same, whatever. Whenever I see Spike Lee acting, he's decent. He just looks like he's uncomfortable. Like, his characters come off very uncomfortable and awkward. This Mars came off, like, extremely. (laughs) You're doing it? (laughs) He does that weird thing with his jaw where he, like, moves it back and forth. And it's like, what are you doing? Who told you this? Listen, and this just might be me because I have like a strange mixture of men that I'm attracted to, but funny dudes like that who are just kind of out there doing their own thing. I've dated dudes like that and it's fun. It's exciting. I can see why Nola wants to date him. And and then he's also though, he's down for her like 100%. He's like, anything you need, like, I want to be there for you kind of thing. The only problem I have is I was like, you're going to need to move out of your sister's place. You're going to need to grow up. 
this whole shoe thing that you got going on. Listen, life is not about shoes. Okay, son. But I love New York culture thing. That's that's how it is. I thought it was super messed up that she messed with her friend slash former roommate, Ooh. her ex. Like, Mars was her ex. And they oh, just, yeah. And was, I was like, Nola, you're messed with a married guy. And then you decide that you want to mess with this lady. And then you bring her kid. And then you're res- irresponsible with this with your girlfriend's child. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, then you mess with Mars knowing the relationship that he had with one of your quote unquote best friends. She was flawed as fuck. So you guys obviously know who my favorite is. It's Mars. It's like, he still has a charming side. Like, that to me, I was just like, (laughs) giggle, giggle, Mars. The other guys, the married guy, he he wanted to own her, to possess her. Exactly. And the other guy, I was like, he's too into himself. That was just period. And then the whole weird thing with the, like, penis cover thing that he wore at the end. (laughs) Remember that? It was so weird and unnecessary. Oh, my God. Her friend that gets the ass implants. Oh, yeah. Mika. Oh my God. I was just like, what are you going through right now, girl? Like, why is yeah. Fat Joe here? What is happening? Yeah. I had, it was a lot of nonsense. Fat Joe was in it. I got love for you, ma. I got like, love for you, girl. You were talking about like New York culture. Sorry. And when you're talking about how like Mars, what's he talking about? Like, why is he talking like this? I enjoy that whole thing where he's like, mommy, 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 mommy. Hey, yo, ma. There's something about that that I like. <laughs> Well, he says that he's like dyslexic. And so he says words or sometimes he says things in the wrong order. Yeah. Which is why he was like kind of a little nonsensical sometimes. Yeah. I liked her, you know, her independence, the art, how she was financially insecure. And even though she claimed this life of independence and non-committal like sexual relationships, she was still beholden to the rich guy who paid all her bills, which ended up coming to bite her in the ass. Yep. Real hard. You know, but she had ebbs and flows, you know, and that's what life is, right? You take a couple steps forward and then sometimes you knock yourself down or life knocks you back down and then you have to build yourself back up. It wasn't this typical way that they write shows where it was just like, oh yeah, by the end of it, everyone's in a happy ending or you get this one view where it's just downhill from here. You're just like, well, her life is just going to keep going. And this is the path. It's kind of like they're just showing you the path that she's on kind of thing. That's what it felt Mm -hmm. like. The other thing about She's Gotta Have It is it definitely is a love letter to the state of New York and mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And like he he really just, he loves it. He loves his hometown. And you see it shine through a lot. Sometimes it's too much. It almost feels like you're watching a promo to go visit Brooklyn, like a tourist, you know, like kind yeah. of thing. But it's great. I love that he touches on the gentrification thing. You know, Poppy's homeless, but like there's people that are taking care of him in the neighborhood, you know, like they look out for him. Nola's one of those people. She went to high school with him. Yeah. You know, he's part of the community. He's been here. And then the whole thing with the neighbor, you know, calling the cops and everything. So that was definitely makes you feel some type of way. I was very happy and I always feel very good when I see a love story for Brooklyn. The last time, I mean, I was born there and I haven't been back there too many times, but like. Really? Yes. What? Yes. Shut up. Is your family live there? I still have like family there and my aunt lives in Queens. Really? Yeah. Where were you born at? Do you remember which hospital you were born at? Queens Hospital. Oh, I was born in Kings. Maybe it's Kings then. But there's multiples. Apparently my mom told me there's multiples. Are you shitting me? What what, what part of the the Brooklyn was your family in? I was literally like a baby. I lived there when I was in kindergarten and like, and then when I was, I was born there. So I really don't remember. Oh man, my mom used to tell me we lived in, I remember we had a brownstone. My mom bought, it was her first property. She bought a full like brownstone. I'll have to ask her, but yeah. I'll Look get at back. us. Look yeah, at us. finding out new things. Look at our BK, okay. <laughs> but I do, like when I went back, I remember um, a few years ago, I, I don't know about you. Flatbush. Flatbush, that's where my family was. Yeah. Holy shit. Hey girl, hey, I see you. We were meant to be friends. <gasps> Wait. Okay, after this, let's talk a little bit more. I wonder if my family knew your family. Okay, let's find out. But when I go there and when I've been there, I felt this buzzing and it feels like your home. And I always feel that way about Brooklyn. I don't know about you. That's just how I feel. Like me, like when we, I walk down the street and I go to the markets and stuff like that and just being in the neighborhood, like I just feel some type of way about it. But I love yeah. that. I like that we figured that out. <laughs> 
What was the other thing that we figured out? Oh, yeah, the teacher thing that we had the same teacher. Yes, Professor Picasso, and now we're both wearing Star Wars shirts. <laughs> like Listen, our lives were meant to be together. Overlap. So yeah, so that's she's got to have it again. Save the best for last because that's definitely something that we love. I've definitely yeah. watched it more than twice. Really? Yeah. I started rewatching it and then I got distracted by something else. So I'll I'll go back to it though. But I love Mars. Mars. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Somebody's trying to have an entanglement over there. I am. Did you see he married Peggy? We watched what? Hamilton, right? He married her? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. That's his wifey? That's his wifey. They just got married. I didn't know that. Like, they look cute together. I mean, like, okay. If you follow him on Instagram, I'm sorry, y'all. But, like, this is a fine specimen. Okay? Whoever created humans did not have to go in like that with him. (laughs) But they did. And I'm thankful. So he's a great actor. He's a great singer. I love him, obviously. So anyways, that is pretty much it. You know, we just wanted to go through a couple movies. We could sit here all night and talk about this, but we're tired. And also, no one wants to hear us talk about that much. Uh, I'm motherfucking tired. Right? Oh, wait. You haven't seen that clip? Please go watch it. The legacy that Spike has left... I think is tremendous. Whether you like his movies or not, I mean, like we said, the acting, sometimes the movies are hit or miss for us personally. I mean, literally he has a zero for some movies for me and then he's got five black fists for me. Especially for the black voice. Like he really helped like bring us to the forefront, tell our stories and just kind of normalize us at some point. But I did find this comment that someone had left on an article about his work, which was interesting that you found, you said this word earlier, that he said a quote where he was like, Black people are not monolithic characters. Yes. This person had the view that he creates us in that image, that like we are monolithic. Like there's only one certain type of Black person. If you have not experienced what he has put out there, then you're not truly a Black person. I thought that was pretty interesting view. I was like, I didn't get that don't get that view necessarily from him because he tells so many different types of stories of black people and we've seen them in so many different ways it's not like he's writing boys in the hood like (laughs) all the time you know what i mean i I think he likes to educate and he's very super obvious i mean like if you're not seeing his messages as like super obvious in movies except for the sweet blood of baby jesus (laughs) we changed the name i do please go watch that please for us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least start it. Yep. <laughs> so the other thing I had a problem with, and this is something I noticed with his movies, is just his portrayal of women. Um, he very much so writes women in the way that a man, that a typical man would write women in. It's a lot of nudity, you know, which is fine. I have no problem with nudity. It's not like I'm a prude or anything. It's just how he shows it. And also, okay, remember the sweet blood of Jesus, the lesbian mm-hmm. scene? Yeah. Why? Like, so he could have like every scene and every topic in that movie like didn't take too long to get through, right? But mm-hmm. that relationship and that subject and watching them together, he took his time with that. And yeah. I was like, why? No one asked for this. No one needed this. We didn't need this in depth, and they weren't even like really the main parts of this. And so, why did you spend so much time on that? So the other thing that. I thought was interesting was he was a part of this whole thing when Trayvon Martin's killer was set free. There was something that happened in the Twitter or something was like spreading the address and mm-hmm. it was an incorrect address. And so he retweeted that as well. And, you know, being a celebrity and I think having as many followers as he did and the power that he does, what happened is the couple that was actually at the address ended up suing him and they settled in court Ugh, so silly but, yeah okay well i mean like they were getting threats and like they had to move as well because they were just like people think this person's in our house like yeah. you know so they had to leave and yeah that was a thing so any last words miss dorian so i wanted to just say spike lee is worth over 50 million dollars clearly up. Yeah, clearly he is a successful movie director, writer, producer, actor, college professor. I mean, he is a man who, whether you agree with his views or not, he has a talent that has lasted decades. Mm -hmm. So give him his props. Snaps. (laughs) 
So thanks again for listening to us ramble. If you haven't seen, again, any of Spike Lee's movies, we highly suggest taking the time to do so. Really, whatever you think of his work, the man always gives you something to think about, and he does it in his own way. So there's that, and there's always something to learn. So again, we haven't said this in a while, but... uh, if you have time and you love us and you or you like us even just a little, just a smidge. Un poquito. Un poquito. Come say hi. Or send us a message. Like us. We're on all the social medias. We're Twitters. on Twitter. <laughs> Tweeters. The, the book faces. <laughs> if you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. It helps us get noticed by other listeners and climb up that ladder. Thanks, guys, and uh, we'll talk next week. Holla. Wake up! Oh, f***. The Ebenezer Podcast was created, written, recorded, and produced by Jabby and Doreen. Theme music by Chris Black of Truck Music Productions. 